What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to 101. Thank you so much for being here. Really jazzed that you're here checking out episode 51 with my special guest, John Spordone. He, um, well, I'll tell you who he is when I come back from this sponsor. Okay, so who is John Spordone besides being my guest on this episode? He is an incredible theater director. He has a local theater called the City Repertory Theater, the CRT for short, and they do incredibly edgy material, stuff that you would not see, not the traditional kind of theater that you're thinking of, the musicals and whatnot. These are just, like I said, very edgy, gritty, almost almost to the point of being, I can't believe this is actually being put on a stage kind of stuff. And it's had an incredible turnout. The CRT has been going for, for many seasons, and uh, John came into my life many years back when I was in high school, and he made such an impact on me, and we've stayed in touch through the years, and I just wanted to get him on the podcast because I knew he would not only stimulate myself intellectually because of how sophisticated and and just intelligent and 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 funny this guy is but everybody that tuned in to listen so this is a real special one um just so you guys know uh i do a little bit of a different introduction for this one so you know once this uh transitions over to um normally where the uh, theme music comes in it's a little bit different but i just wanted to try it out see if uh i'm gonna keep it going I might not, I may, I don't know. But anyways, guys, get ready, get set, because guess what? It's John Spordone. And what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I just wanted to kind of see if I wanted to incorporate a new kind of intro. That's not going to be the uh, the new theme music. That's a uh, that's an actual song that is uh, copyrighted. So hopefully nothing happens with that. If it does, oh well, damn. Um, but I did want to start it off like you know with a, a different uh, tune and uh, kind of let you guys get a feel for my process because we just passed the fiftieth episode. So. Um, uh, I'm really excited. So my next guest is going to be uh, John Spordone, who I'm going to be getting on the phone here in just a second. And uh, we're going to be going from there. So yeah, this is different for me. But you know what, I figured let's do it. And uh, you'll hear the process, you'll hear the behind the scenes and, and all that jazz. So enjoy guys. Um, this is a, this is going to be a cool one. So here we go. I'm gonna call him and you'll probably hear it ring. So here we Go. Hello. Hey, John. Eddie, how are you? I am very good. Um, I'm going to, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a, a little pause here. It's going to be about 25 seconds. I'm going to play my intro music and then we're going to get right into uh, the podcast. Okay, tell me, I have you on speaker. Is this working okay? Uh, yeah, you sound okay. Would it be possible to, like, do you have, like, earbuds or, or no? No, I'm not tech savvy. <laughs> Is that better like that? Yeah, yeah, you sound a lot closer. Yeah, okay. Um, I got it to my ear. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Alrighty, I will be back in about 25 seconds once the intro music's done. Okay. All right. And just like that, we are off and rolling. And on the other end of the line is a uh, incredibly talented uh, director of theater who I wanted to get on the podcast because I am uh, I have a I have a history with the theater, and uh, I have a history with uh, this gentleman. His name is John Spordown, and uh, I just wanted to get him on and see uh, see what insights he provided because that's one of the great things about the podcast is you can you can have so many different voices and and whatnot, and uh, it appeals to so many different people. So without further ado, John Spordone, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Eddie. Been trying to get you on the stage for 10 years. <laughs> I guess this is going to have to do for now. Well, okay. So for everyone that's listening, just to kind of give you guys a little history of, of John and I's relationship, um, back when I was in high school was when I was really active in the theater, and uh, I thought that was sort of going to be my my calling. Um, and I think it was the Flagler Playhouse that was my introduction to you, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it must have been longer than 10 years ago because that's, uh, we've been nine seasons now at City Repertory Theater. But yeah, yeah, yeah probably. The, yeah, the City Repertory Theater is, is, is the theater that John um, himself has owned and uh, operated and uh, you know, like he said, for nine years, which is incredible. It's a it's a local theater and this incredible uh, uh, two story kind of complex uh, right here in town. And uh, they put on really, really edgy material. Right. That's how you would describe it. Like there's no barriers with with what you can put on there. Right. We do. We call ourselves an alternative theater. We've got 50 seats only. And we do. We're proud to do the things that other people won't do. And, so. And that's really one of the reasons why you why you wanted to get out of the Flagler Playhouse, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, Flagler Playhouse is great. Listen, it's a terrific institution. They've built it into a wonderful community theater. But they want to do uh, traditional things, and their audiences want to see traditional theater. Uh, City Repertory Theater is designed to do exactly the opposite, to bring an alternative to the area, to, to do the edgy stuff, to do the stuff that is diverse, that handles uh, topics and, and casts uh, that other theaters tend not to, to touch. We're like a college theater in a non-college town. So, okay, give me a little bit of history because I'm actually curious. I don't think I really know a lot about your history. Of course, I know uh, from when I met you, I guess, what, like 10 years ago or something and and uh, and onward, but I don't really know what got you into why you do this for a living. Oh, I kind of stumbled into it 50 years ago. 50 years ago? <laughs> yes. No, it's longer than that. It's 55 years ago. Yeah, I was um, uh, went to went to college actually as a, on a basketball scholarship, and uh, was playing ball upstate New York, small Division two school, and got injured. A public speaking teacher grabbed me and 
put me on stage. And damn, I haven't been able to find my way off it since. So it's been a, been a, been a long, long haul. Now, did you always want to be a director? No, I wanted to be a basketball coach. <laughs> okay, so that, but that's sort of a form of directing, right? It certainly is. And when I run up and down in the back of the theater shouting out orders during a show, it shows that I was a basketball coach. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's crazy. I never would have pegged you for, for, for being an athletic kind of person. Ah, ouch, that hurts. No, no, no. Like You've you... known me since I was 65. This was <laughs> when I was 20. Well, it, okay, so just to kind of give a little context to that, you, when, you, when you see somebody, of course, you kind of make up, uh, you know, depending on, you know, how close you are with them, you kind of make up like a history of them. And I just always imagined that this was the only thing that you had ever done in your entire life, that from the moment you entered, I guess, middle school or whatever that would have been called back then, you, 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 you just had this, uh, this draw to being on a stage and performing and, and, and being in front of an audience. But um, to hear that you were going to potentially be a basketball player or a coach is 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 mind-blowing to me i mean for people listening it's probably because they don't you know some people might not know you but for someone like me that 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 felt like he knew you i feel like i don't know you anymore <laughs> i went to an all-boys high school and all scholarships in brooklyn new york we didn't even have an art class we had seven subjects a day uh and they were all serious stuff so so i didn't even no, there was such a thing as the theater uh, until I got to college. So that's what happens when you live in Brooklyn. And what is it about what is it about the theater that 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 kept you in there? If you like, if you had to try to think about it, what is it about it that that you didn't give it up? Well, I, you go through stages. You know that you've been through a number of those stages. Right. You're performing now, whether you know it or not. I, I mean, in high school, I played ball and I did some debate and public speaking and stuff like that. But when I first got on the stage, it was just new and exciting. And, uh, you know, it's kind of thing that it, it's uh, I, what kind of a podcast do you have? I want to use the word ego masturbation. Uh, it's the kind of thing that when you're on the stage, the hair on the back of your head went up and you're feeling great and like you were the center of the universe and all the parts of your body and soul seemed energized as you worked on a part. I mean, that was the way it was introduced, you know, uh, and uh, that was very, very exciting. And I was a lit major. And I love the idea of taking literature, stories, poems and whatnot, and getting them transferred to this other medium of the stage. That's how, and that's how I got started. Uh, quite, quite exciting. And as I moved from the lit to, to the, the uh, translation of the lit to the stage, I fell into directing. And it's been my love uh, for a long, long, long time. I've directed almost, I'd say, 380 to 400 shows over the years. So, Jeez. yeah, it's 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 kind of like a a habit. It's an addiction. So, and it's a but habit. It's fun keeps you young, keeps you young, and you get a chance to work with young people and old people and and middle aged people and exciting ideas and do all kinds of uh, interesting stuff. 
and it's something that's that that you never tire of and that's that's the that's the key like you said it's an addiction it's something that well at, at, at 75 uh i i'm i'm uh, you know people constantly say you what how old are you because theater keeps you young keeps you active keeps you moving keeps you energized so is it something that you think more people should look into getting into because it's something that for me when i if i had to speak highly of it and i definitely speak very highly of 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 drama of doing that stuff when you're in you know high school because honestly and i think i've said it here on the podcast before it was literally the only reason i kept going to high school honestly at the end of the day if you put aside all the other curriculum that was the one thing that I always looked forward to was going to that class, going to that part of of the school and learning and 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 doing those scenes. And then, of course, you know, you do uh, at least at the school I went to, you do three productions a year. And those were the things that kept me going. So do you think it's something that more people should uh, potentially get into? Well, sure, sure. And, and you know, there's lots of different ways of getting into it. Uh, to me, it's always a it's a matter of for most people, self-actualization, an opportunity to do something that you haven't done before, to hide in a character, to get involved in, in uh, looking at a character or a story and vicariously living what that story or character is all about. And that in itself is an energy. For young people, I think it's, to me, it's one of the most important things that a school system can do. Right. It gets you, to it, as you know, because you've experienced it, it can get you totally involved and outside of yourself, which is a, a, a marvelous thing. And what do you learn? You learn movement, you learn speaking, diction, you learn uh, language. And if the school is doing great shows, like uh, what was the last show you did? Uh, the last show we did was, uh, you, you, this is definitely not something that, it was The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Well, the Wizard of Oz has its place in American cultural history. Were you involved in in uh, uh, Mockingbird? I was. I was Atticus. Yes. Seems to me you played Atticus. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. And what what better way to understand what battling for justice and human nature is all about than a play like To Kill a Mockingbird? In fact, it apparently is still controversial enough as you live through to know that that it's uh it's exciting and everybody in that cast and it's a fairly large cast as i remember the production that you guys did with it was ed kuzerski uh kachergo kachergo yeah brave ed who who put that on despite uh all of the controversy uh got all of you guys involved in something very special and some memory you're going to have for the rest of your life. Yeah. So it, it's a marvelous thing on that level. And a lot of the people in that cast are not going to be uh, professional actors. They're not even thinking about that, but they got a chance to be, to participate in something uh, socially and intellectually important that moved a community that was all things that a, a, an educational theater project should be. 
So do I think people should get involved? Absolutely. Even if you don't get on the stage, getting into an acting class, getting into a class that teaches you to get involved with yourself, of learning about who you are and exploring parts of you that you won't find in a math class, you won't find in a chemistry or a physics class. Hopefully you'll find it in an English class, but things that are so important to who you are and what your education is all about, everybody should do it. And it doesn't mean you got to be on the stage. It means that you're looking at self-actualization. Uh, I used to teach a class when I taught up at the University of Maine uh, and I taught a class in secondary education for theater majors. So was essentially teaching uh, drama teachers what to do. And that's what we focused on all the time. It's not about the shows. It's about allowing kids, teenagers, younger kids to get involved in a process that in which they help them learn about who they are. Also, as you know, it helps you as a speaker. It helps provide uh, confidence and all that other stuff that, that, uh, that goes on because you're involved in the theater. I'm just blah, 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 blah. There's a wonderful play by Eugene Inesco. And at the end, the speaker that everybody's waiting to hear, it's going to solve the question of the universe called the chairs. It comes out and this is his speech. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> How's that for an end quote? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. For some reason, I don't know why that just reminded me of, um, I think it was potentially my favorite production that you put on at CRT. And correct me if I'm wrong, the name of the of the show is simply Line? Line, oh yeah, great show. Israel Horowitz is the writer. Wonderful, wonderful show. That was that was an incredible experience. And and I don't know why it stuck with me so much, but I, I just thought it was a brilliant concept because it's what? It's just there's a line on the ground and yep. different people come up to it. I know I'm probably really undermining what it's actually about, but correct me if I'm wrong. That's essentially what it is. It's just a bunch of different people coming up to it and essentially doing a monologue. Or well, is my memory uh, that's, a little jaded? That's, that's kind of it. It's 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 uh, there's it's only five actors, and it's then why everybody wants to be first. They have no idea ultimately why they're in that line, where that line is going, but they need to be first, and they use all kinds of subterfuge, every kind of con they can think of uh, to get in front of the person in front of them until they get to the front of the line. And then it's just, it is a fascinating piece of work. I've always been one of my very, very favorite long one act plays. Uh, so yes, yes. And true to the nature of city repertory theater, the entire set is a piece of masking tape on the stage that is the line. I love it. I love it so much. And and that's the kind of thing that do you feel like you could have put that on at Flagler Playhouse or would that have even been like, what are you doing? This is this is way too risky. Well, no, no, no. Well, when we were at Flagler Playhouse, we 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 uh, we were starting things up. 
Yes. Okay, let me go back and do a little history for you. Okay. When I first got here in Flagler County in Palm Coast in 2004, there was something called the Little Theater of Palm Coast. I don't know if you remember that name, uh, which had been in existence since 1977. Okay, and uh, the Little Theater of Palm Coast was a group of people who loved doing theater, who got together two or three times a year. They were rehearsing in people's living rooms and putting on shows at, on the elementary school stages or wherever they could. And that went on for 25, 26 years. It was kind of winding down when I got here. And they hadn't organized uh, in a way that, that uh, if you want to have a successful theater, you need to do. So uh, almost immediately, I became president of that thing. And immediately, we started doing seasons of plays. So people would know that we were an entity, that we were here, that we were doing things. And I enlisted the aid of the good people down at the Wickline Center. There's a small stage down there. And we used that as our home base because Little Theater never had a home base. And we did shows there for a year and a half, uh, almost two years. And, and uh, then uh, on a great bit of luck, uh, the Little Theater had purchased some land uh, over by Matanzas High School, and we sold that. We had a wonderful, wonderful, uh, people will not remember this name, but she was a brilliant, brilliant uh, realtor by the name of Diane Arlotta. And she and my partner uh, in the theater, uh, Diane Ellitson and myself, uh, we she sold that land for an enormous price. This was before the recession in 2008. Enormous price, great price. And we were able to, as we were looking for a space in the county, purchase the church up in Bunnell uh, on Route 100. It was the first Baptist church. And we bought that and immediately converted that into a theater. And as we moved in there, uh, we renamed the Little Theater of Palm Coast, the Flagler Playhouse. And we started doing full seasons of shows up there for, I was there until uh, February of 2011. We were doing full seasons of five, six, seven shows uh, and some summer work. And um, then, but we were doing a, a variety of stuff. You know, uh, we were doing Agnes of God. We were doing plays other than traditional plays, but we were also doing traditional fare, Neil Simon and whatnot. And so what, what was happening was that as the board grew, they wanted more and more to be a community theater in the sense of the, of the word they wanted to, they didn't want to offend anybody. Uh, well, shows like Agnes of God might do. And so Diane Ellertson and myself, uh, we left uh, after doing a production of Hairspray, actually. Uh, and J.J. Uh, Graham, do you know that name, Eddie? J.J. Graham? J.J. Graham was a local artist. He used to run Hollingsworth Gallery over at City Marketplace at seven storefronts. Okay. And was, is, a, is a brilliant, uh, uh, very, very uh, modern artist. And he was bringing a whole new look of art to Palm Coast at the time. This is back in 2011 now. Uh, and uh, 
knowing that Diane and I, uh, he's a friend of mine, and knowing that Diane and I had left uh, Flagler Playhouse, he offered us a studio at City Marketplace as at one of his studios, rent-free. said, come over, do some theater. And that's when we started City Repertory Theater. And that was in uh, the summer of 2011. Uh, and uh, we've been going there strongly ever since. So that's a bit of the history of, you know, and our whole mission at City Repertory Theater is to do things that nobody else was doing, to explore ideas, explore emotions, find the best actors in the area and give them challenging roles. And our first full production, uh, we started our first season with The Laramie Project. Uh, I don't know if you know that show. It is the story of Matthew Shepard, the gay college student in, who was murdered in Laramie, Wyoming. And what that show was about is a, a, a New York a theater company went out to Laramie, interviewed 200 residents of Laramie, Wyoming, and created this play exploring all sides and all people in the town, all centered on this Matthew Shepard murder. It's a brilliant, brilliant piece. And we thought that that would be a great opening for our new theater and a signature piece to show that this is what we wanted to be about. Ideas, uh, social issues, uh, things that people in Palm Coast and Flagler County would not be able to see unless we were doing it. Also, and part of our mission is still to do things that will challenge our actors or will attract actors who want to do special things. Uh, and uh, the other part is if we're doing a more traditional show to find a way of doing it that people would not have seen before. So we, uh, that's, that's what City Repertory Theater was all about. And it grew out of Little Theater of Palm Coast and it grew out of the Flagler Playhouse. So. That's, that's who we are. That's incredible. I had no clue that you were like literally from the from the ground up attached to Flagler Playhouse. That I did oh my not God. know that. Oh, oh yeah, no, no, the, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if anybody over there has that in its history, but I started it. So, um, I was I directed Flagler Playhouse. I directed the first three years, four years. I directed all the shows there and was choosing the seasons and directing the shows. Now, so to your point, the reason that you really ultimately left was just because you were really trying to push the boundaries in terms of what you could present to a, a local audience. And um, this kind of ties into the, to because I wanted to get your opinion on the To Kill a Mockingbird controversy. It's, and th and this is not uncommon even in 2020. So it's not like, it was different in 2011 or or 2010 there there is this there is this culture that if you present something that is even remotely offensive so we'll we'll use to kill a mockingbird as an example of course that's a very uh racially charged uh story that is uh, as far as i know required reading still to this day in high schools i mean it might have changed but when i was in high school it was required reading and i think it still is Okay. And we, we decide to put this show on and somehow it gets out that, that 
people are not okay with this. People are really offended by this. And ultimately, it gets the show canceled, not permanently, but for a good amount of time. It's only after this news reaches New York, from my understanding, and kind of causes a controversy up there because, you know, that's sort of one of the capitals of, of theater um, that, like you said, Brave Ed came back, uh, Ed Kachergo, and uh, we got the go-ahead to do To Kill a Mockingbird. So it's sort of the same thing where you felt like you couldn't do certain things at, at, at Flagler Playhouse or were explicitly told that you can't do something. Well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that uh, uh, black and white, but yes, absolutely. You know, uh, the To Kill a Mockingbird controversy, I, I, I think, and I, and I, I may be overstating this, made uh, Flagler County laughingstock. I think it appeared on CNN News as a national thing, made us a laughingstock for having uh, prohibited a play uh, uh, on the subject that you're reading in school and prohibited on the basis of a couple of people objecting to the word, and uh, uh, I put it in quotes, nigger. That's exactly what that controversy was all about. And so uh, the superintendent at the time, uh, the high school principal, actually, not superintendent, the high school principal, was uh, but went, went and, and canceled the show. Uh, and and those of us in the community who felt otherwise were yelling, what are you doing? This is education at its very, very best. This is what you do to raise consciousness. This is what you do to start discussion. This is how you create debate because debate is the most important thing we do as human beings. It allows us to engage intellectually. And if you think that any of the children involved in seeing or participating in this show have not heard these words or these ideas, you are being extraordinarily naive, foolhardy even. And so the national pressure, I think, although it may not be that big, Pierre, Tristan probably knows the story much, much better because he was covering it for Flag Alive. Uh, Pressure was born and the show went on. Thank you, Ed. Uh, And thank you to the cast. And it was enormously successful. Uh, As I remember it, it was a good show. And given all of the pressure that all those kids were under, it was an amazing show and well brought off. And I don't think anybody died because of the ideas or language of the play. No. No, you're very, so yeah, you're you, very You true. asked me a simple question and I gave you a very, very long-winded answer. And that's what I love about you. You, <laughs> you don't just give me yes, no, maybe. Um, I can do that. No, no, please, please. Uh, um, yeah, it, 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 it baffled me then. It baffles me still to this day. But I do love sharing that story because it's it's, you know, it's it's telling of the, the society that we still live in. So, oh, oh Eddie, 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 yes. Eddie, go on a campaign. <laughs> this is this is uh, this is going to get me in trouble. Who listens to this? 
I'm, I have no control over who listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I go, when I go and listen to John Seth's band orchestra band, it's probably a band doesn't have the, the violin doesn't have the strings, but when I listen to Seth's bands, I can hear Berlioz. I can hear Chopin, Beethoven. I can hear all the greats. I can hear the classics. When I go into the theater, I see Disney. Uh, and to me, that's the antithesis of what educational theater needs to be about. Because the theater is a great art form. It stands as a living tribute. And in being alive, it is more uh, impactful, can be more trenchant than anything else. It's not a movie, there's not a screen. And you know, though movies have taken over the, the, the situation, that, that, uh, the, the uh, entertainment as has the, the smallest screen in the home, the theater still has that live content. And it's that live content, that immediacy, that makes it what it is today. It is special. And it is probably still, in a small way, a means of communicating ideas in such a visceral way that audiences come away thinking, feeling, remembering. It's not just another Disney song. It's not just another song from a musical that you've seen or heard a hundred times. It's very special. In fact, Diane and I, what our mission is, is that nobody leaves the theater without having felt something. And if that's horror, if that's finding the ideas despicable, that's okay, because it is a dialogue. That's what makes the theater what it is. It's got to be that dialogue. It's got to be that immediate uh, communication. And so if you're doing things that are bland, that do not ruffle the edges, why not stay home and watch TV, watch sitcoms? The theater has to be more than that. Okay, I'm, I'm done for, for the moment. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I definitely agree with you. Are you somebody that, uh, that can watch a sitcom and just kind of turn that part of your brain off and be like, all right, it, this doesn't need to be any more than just slapstick goofiness that'll have a laugh track behind it. Eh, only when I'm not, not often. No, not, not, not often. Uh, and it's not that they aren't generally, you know, crafted well, acted well, timed, uh, well, it, 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 that's that's not why. It's just that um, trying to demand a bit more from entertainment. And whereas the sitcom is there to sell product. That's an interesting point of view. Yeah, you're very true. Well, no, it's not. It, it's basic. That's what, what. Why are there in a half hour show? Why are there? Why is there only 40 minutes? of show well that is the traditional uh sitcom i mean now if you look at something like netflix or well now 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 so, yes 
Those aren't that th those tend not to be sitcoms. Okay, I have been binging during the the uh, 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 the, the sit-in here, the uh, confinement. I've been binging on what has become my ex absolutely favorite show, uh, uh, sit situation comedy uh, of all time. Uh, it's been running for. I think it's probably in its 10th or 11th season now. And I'm um, through season in the middle of season eight of Shameless, which is just absolutely, to my mind, brilliantly done. Uh, I think what they did was take every taboo that faces society. They put it on a chalkboard and there are hundreds of them on that chalkboard. And and the leading character. Uh, uh, Macy, William Macy, William Macy, uh, his character, Frank Gallagher, has experienced in some way or instigated in some way every one of those taboos. So it's iconoclastic in the extreme, and I'm finding it totally amusing. And that sort of because that's what that's um, I forget what channel that's on, but that's not like a Netflix show, right? That's a, that's a Showtime show. Oh, OK, so that's but it's on Netflix now. Gotcha, gotcha. The, early, the earlier seasons, that's where I'm, you know, seeing it. Yeah. So, but that, uh, even if on like something like Showtime, I am not aware, do they do commercials on there? Cause I, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Cause I'm trying to make a, cause I definitely see where you're coming from, where, you know, sitcoms for the most part, you know, your, your friends, your two and a half men, your, your Seinfeld, all that stuff is, like you said, why in an hour? time span do you only have 40 minutes of content yeah it is you know partly to push a product but um i think it's i think it has a place i think it definitely uh you know has a has a value and um absolutely i i'm not saying it doesn't i'm saying there's too much of it. too much of it yeah yeah but with showtime and hbo and stars uh and more money and better production values and longer times to create things uh, there's a lot better television than there was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, uh, that that for sure. Uh, so I, and I'm not I'm not disparaging sitcoms. I'm just saying they're just, you know, there's too much of them. You know, a lot a lot of people, if you watch something like Two and a Half Men or, you know, like groundbreaking comedies that you that uh, you probably yeah, long before your time, uh, uh, all in the family. Uh, where there was content that was uh, uh, scandalous to to the nation uh, back in the uh, early 70s. Uh, a lot of that kind of disappeared somewhere along the line. And, um, and so, uh, you know, Seinfeld's a terrific show. I mean, these are good shows, just... How much of the same thing can you take? And that's, I guess, a matter of individual experience. Yes, yes. So, I and mean, that's why I, you know, I put so much onus on the school systems to create minds that require, that demand more. Demand more of the students. So the students demand more. So they don't settle. And that's, you know, the hard thing. That's the hard thing. Now, excuse my not knowing, but have you ever been active in the in the public school system, like in terms of like a drama teacher or? Well, I, I uh, uh, when I first got here, I volunteered uh, and helped uh, Mary Beal, who was running the program at yes. uh, the high school. Uh, 
I did uh, work as a consultant to a, a young new teacher in theater over at Matanzas for a year. But uh, my, I, I haven't, I haven't, uh, my career was not in uh, public high schools. It was in colleges and then some uh, prep schools up in New England that had lots of money so that you could do lots of great theater. So. Interesting. Interesting. I, I find it fascinating. Like one of the most fascinating things about, about the name John Spordone is the fact that you aren't doing what you're doing right now with the CRT, but you're, but doing it in, um, what I would imagine would only be a place that would be so much more accepting of it, like New York or, or, a, a spot that is just really um, welcoming of that, but is, is is part of why you don't do that because of the challenge of trying to get a a small local town to 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 really kind of navigate towards the CRT. Yeah, but we 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 do pretty well. You know, it's only fifty seats, and you know you're running uh, you're running two weekends. That's three hundred people. You know, if you're running uh, something like Avenue Q or something uh, uh, a bit more uh, adventurous than Cost Us More, we'll run it three or four weekends. But but don't forget, there are a lot of people here. And and Eddie, this is an important thing that when this this town, as this town develops and becomes more sophisticated and brings industry in and brings in management level people, a lot of college edu educated people, this is one of the thing, one of the things that they crave, that there's an outlet for this kind of, uh, of theater as there's an outlet for jazz, as an outlet for other things. So it provides uh, a bit of a cosmopolitan nature to it. Here's our story. And and I say this in all humbleness. There are a lot of people who have been on Broadway, who have been off Broadway, have studied in New York, who come to City Repertory Theater to work with the kinds of shows that we do. This is their home. And it's not that they don't perform elsewhere, but they come here to, to, to be in plays like uh, David Mamet's race like uh, Anna Devere Smith's uh, Twilight Los Angeles 1992 during the riots that are here to do shows like the, the, the new series we've started. I don't know if I've seen you at it either because you should be there, our Shakespeare in the Park series in which together with the Palm Coast Arts Foundation, uh, we have an annual show that's done under the tent at town center and is dedicated to doing Shakespeare. Uh, so we, these kinds of programs attract audience and especially performers who want to do something different, who want to play roles that they don't get a chance to play in other, in other theaters around, you know? So that's, you know, that's, that's part of what keeps CRT alive, what keeps, us active 
you know, next year we'll, we'll be doing um, uh, Salem witch trials, uh, the, the crucible. And we do it because it's politically, mob rule is politically right now a very important idea to see, to look at. We're doing the Tempest next year. And we'll also do a, a, a Night of the Iguana. Uh, and we're going to be doing shows that you will not see elsewhere. And that means that in order to pull those off, you got to have talent to do it. So now I do know that uh, one of those talents that you're that you're referring to that uh, that has continued to um, thrive in this environment of performing and and making this an actual career is uh, Leanna, and um, she has uh, she was someone that for everyone listening, just, just so you know, she uh, her and I went to the same school together, and this was her and I's sort of mutual passion. And um, she is the only person that I know from that from that program that has actually stayed true to it. That has that has gone off. Uh, as far as I know, she is in New York City still, and um, she's making this a career. And um, what is that like? Because you you. you you kind of found her right at that that perfect spot where she was still in high school, and then she came to the CRT, got um, uh, emotionally attached to the location, which makes perfect sense, and then went off. But every once in a while, still comes back, like you said. Is that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Is... Well, she went off to to uh, to to Pace and to the Actors Studio Pace. Yes. And uh, she's still working with us. We bring her back. She's now. Uh, gotten advanced degrees in stage combat and she comes back and stages our sword fights and and combat uh for the shakespeare because she's able to get away a couple of times a year and come back yeah liana is uh, and was and, and continues to be a marvelous marvelous actress uh and she's working her way successfully in new york right now which is great uh and remains true to her roots. I think Leanna was in our first four uh, summer workshops. She'd even come back from college to do summer workshops, which is fabulous. But there's another young woman from about that same time, probably graduated a year after you, who went off to uh, University of uh, South Florida and did a joint degree in uh, theater and in, I think, politics, world international relations agata uh, agata sokolska yes and uh, agata is still doing lots of theater she gets paid for it occasionally she works with us she's been in a couple of shakespeare's with us she's did the lead in spring awakening uh for us which is another show nobody else is doing should be doing it's a great show great musical and um so you know uh, that school uh gave gave uh, a number of people a, a good start a good foundation started them and loving it and you know when we get our hands on them we you know try to uh, instill a bit more of what the serious nature of the art of acting is so yes it, it yeah uh, for some reason i don't know why i got to slip my mind i i uh yes 100 percent agata is uh also someone that went to school with me and, 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 and stayed true to it. And, and it's, it's fabulous. You know, 
on one hand, it's sort of a, um, I think like the general idea or the general outlook of pursuing something like that is it almost comes across as uh, like a death sentence. It's almost like, what are you doing? Like how, are, like, how do you think you're actually going to make a living doing this? It's, it's such a hard business to get into, but I mean, there are shining examples. And Eddie, 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 it's not only that, Eddie, you ask, you look around. You ask successful lawyers, you ask successful politicians if they did theater, public speaking, debate in high school and college. And the very, very good ones, the ones who can command a jury, who can do things, uh, are people who've had this in their background. It's, so it's not necessarily professional acting. It's it's the impetus to be able to self-actualize, to to be able to uh, use your mind and your 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 body, your your voice, your to communicate. Um, and you know that's its value. If if it was only training professional actors, my God, that would be uh, insane. Insane. Yes. You know, some people even do podcasts, for heaven's sake. <laughs> hey, podcasts are, you know, podcasts. And I mean, it's sort of a, um, th- th- this kind of hit me earlier today. I was thinking this is sort of a next step or a bunch of next steps in front of what Orson Welles was doing with, you know, War of the Worlds and 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 doing that, that, that sort of performance radio. Um, were you ever a fan of like stuff like that or, or, or did that? I stuff? love it. Oh, you Absolutely loved it? Absolutely love it. Uh, in fact, I, I did, I did some study of Wells when I was in graduate school and, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind. Um, we do a staged reading every year again with, a, a wonderful professional actress from the area who works with us, uh, at least once a year. And, that's great stuff. Eddie, we're doing a book. CRT is doing a book challenge right now. All right. We've just put it out this week. You should look it up. All right. What it is, is we're asking you to all this sheltered in people to choose a book you haven't read before. Read it. Pick a couple, two minutes of that book and that you think is exciting and prepare it. Read it out loud. Dramatize it for yourself. And then as soon as we open up the first night or two, depending on how many people we get, when we get opened up, we will put you on the stage doing your two minutes to help introduce that book to us, to whoever's in the audience that night. It's an important thing that we share ideas, thoughts, excitement, you know, and I, I have a couple of people who are in love with Lord of the Rings. They've been banned from using it because they've read it before. This <laughs> has got to be something a little different, you know, find something new and we'll just go that way. You know, you have you have a, a couple of uh, nationally published authors in town. Uh, in fact, we're working with one of them now to adapt one of her books uh, for a staged reading in the, in the future. Uh, it's just. There's a lot of exciting things right here, intellectually exciting things in the area that that uh, 
for those who have minds that need a bit more than the commonplace. That's a okay. So that's a great idea. Was that something that 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 you and uh, Diane kind of came up with? The whole just reading from a book and kind of the book idea. Yeah, well, that's my background. You know. Okay. Oral interp. Yeah, yeah. At Diane and and what else are we doing? Oh, we've got uh, Angela Young, who's our uh, kind of media person. Uh, she and her husband Trevor uh, have filmed and edited quite nicely some of our Shakespeare productions. And right now you could, you know, uh, they have those up to take a look at for a nominal fee, like five bucks or something. And you could see, uh, I know Taming of the Shrew is up. I'm not sure Romeo and Juliet's up yet. And I don't know if Macbeth is up yet. But anyway, so there are other projects that CRT is involved in. And we're always interested in those people who are looking for something different. You know, you said something earlier, and I'll, I'll, I'll shut up and let you ask a question, but you said something earlier, that, that that's what kept you in school, that the idea of doing theater was important, and that was what you look forward to. And my experience over the years is that that's exactly, you get a lot of very gifted kids who are not academically inclined, they're brilliant, but not academically inclined. And this is one of the intellectual, emotional outlets that they hopefully find to keep them motivated, keep them in school, keep them, help them use their brilliance. It's an outlet for them. Um, and we're seeing that even now. Okay, I'm gonna stop now and you have a question? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's uh i just love hearing the the honestly this is why i wanted to get you on because i knew that you would stimulate not only myself and 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 just everyone listening but uh uh that it would be entertaining and and just to kind of get an insight into who you are and i just wanted to um because i like to keep uh you know I, I try to go for at least an hour and, and we're approaching the hour mark so um, oh really yeah. Jesus, I have been bloviating. Um, it's totally fine. And I just wanted to kind of uh, do some rapid fire questions just to kind of see and, and, and kind of gauge who you are as an individual a little better. And um, I think the, the most obvious one, and I don't know the answer to this, is what is your all-time favorite stage production, play, musical, that you may or may not have put on? The Serpent by Jean-Claude Van Italy. Okay. And what is, because I actually have some of these prepared and uh, we're going to get into where they come from. And I think, uh, I think you'll like the reference, but uh, before we get into that, have you seen, because we were talking about Orson Welles, it's a, there's an incredible film from, I think, 2009. Um, it's called Me and Orson Welles. It's a, uh, it has a, uh, um, uh, Christian McKay plays Orson Welles. It's directed by Richard Linklater. I, rem I I've seen it. I remember enjoying it, but I don't remember much about it. Much right? about it. Okay. I remember because uh, I showed that to Ed, Ed Cacerigo, and um, uh, he thought it was like, like, like he loved it so much that one day I came into uh, the classroom and he was like, all right, now today we're going to be watching me and Orson Welles. Thanks to, thanks to Eddie's recommendation. It's just, um, it's, I think it's my favorite film about theater. So what is your favorite film about theater? 
Huh. Do I have one? Is there one? I don't know that I have one, Eddie. <laughs> a favorite film about, about theater. theater, yes, or or with theater incorporated into it. I don't have an answer for you. I'm not sure that that uh, you know because most of the the theatrical productions that have been made into film aren't particularly exciting. You know, I my one of my favorite shows is Jesus Christ Superstar. And the movie sucked. Um, but I, I, I can't answer you that right now. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Um, no, it's totally fine. Uh, what is what is your favorite kind of music to listen to when you're not directing uh, the next CRT production? What's the kind of thing that just gives you that, that kind of uh, motivation? Classical guitar. Any particular artist or just well, the whole genre? Is the best. Yeah, yeah. Who? Segovia. Oh, okay. Um, and but that I'm 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 a product of the late '50s, early '60s. I'm also a fan of folk music, and uh, you know, I'm not particularly sophisticated musically. No, so. it's totally fine. That's 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 your preference. And uh, these next questions, these are the ones that I was saying that you uh, you'll probably like the reference to because it's. It's honestly one. It it was one of my favorite shows up until recently. Um, this uh, these set of ten questions come from inside the actor studio, and uh, they were asked by the late James Lipton, who uh, passed away earlier this year. Um, yeah, love that show. It was a great show, and unfortunately, I think they realized that was going to happen, or something happened because he left the show. And now it's still going, but now there is no host. Now it's an actor interviewing an actor, which is interesting. But where is it showing on? What show? What's? Yeah, it uh, for some reason it left Bravo, which I think is where it was, and now it's yeah, on. Yeah, it on Bravo. Now it's on some like, it sounds like some Oprah TV network. I don't know. Huh. It's very odd. Um, but I wanted to ask you the questions just because uh, you know our 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 mutual association with each other is of course acting in theater so this only makes sense so the first question is what is your favorite word sorry i'm from brooklyn fuck all right <laughs> what is your least favorite word one i used a little earlier bloviate and uh, for the not as uh intellectually stimulated people what does that mean uh, uh oh oh uh, uh, overbearingly verbal, uh, uh, verbose, uh, and a braggedly kind of way. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, number three, you can take this literally, or you can twist it to be some philosophical thing. What turns you on? Oh, beautiful women, beautiful women. And what turns you off? Ugly women. <laughs> Bad sophomoric comedy. Ah, oh, interesting. Bad sophomoric comedy. Yes. Any uh, any example of a sitcom? Because I have a couple that I could think of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, a, an awful lot of them. I I just I can't. You know, you take. I I talk to a lot of people who who like uh, I, I, people I work with and respect, and they, they like things like the producers as a musical. And I just find it sophomoric. Uh, 
uh, and there's just a lot of sitcoms that are just like that. They just they don't do anything for me. So you asked about my ta taste. That's where it does. I don't like. Yes. And okay, so uh, the producers is Mel Brooks. Do you do, do you feel the same way about Young Frankenstein? Uh, I enjoyed parts of it. Okay, interesting. Um, uh, where are we I love here? I love Mel Brooks. I love to listen to him talk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah yeah very it's, very uh, yeah okay. <laughs> uh, what sound uh, or noise do you love? <sighs> That was my answer. Oh, that was your answer. <laughs> I thought you were thinking of one. Interesting. So, like a deep, uh, like a deep sigh. It's just, yeah, but it's got a, a pleasantness to the sigh. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So then, to flip that, what sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> was that it? I'm trying to think. I try. I try to think of. Uh, uh, of uh, I, I remember. Uh, uh, Robert Williams Ooh, yes. uh, had had made some marvelous sound that he loved that I'd never heard before. And I can't remember right now. That's what happens when you get old. What sound do I hate? Uh, probably a, a heavy sounding squish. Ooh, a heavy sounding squish. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's just... Wow. All right. So, so like someone biting into an apple. Uh, somebody stepping in heavy mud. Oh, uh, okay. All right. I know exactly the episode you're talking about. You're talking about the the inside the actor studio with with Robert. Yes, Williams. right, 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 right. That was. I, I can't remember brilliant. what his favorite word was. It was outrageous and fun, and I can't remember right now. But it'll come to me in the middle of the night, and I'll be pissed off. All right. <laughs> I just love. Uh, there's a there's a segment in there, if if you recall as well, where he uh, he goes into the audience and he grabs uh, this lady's scarf and. Yes, he yes, does like yes, a five-minute yes. bit just with this yeah, scarf. Yeah, yeah. it's Absolutely the most marvelous brilliant. thing. Absolutely brilliant. So he took, you know, I talked about sophomoric uh, comedy. Was never sophomoric when he did it. It's amazing, outlandishly stuff. You're gonna love the first show we're doing in the fall if we get to open the theater in the fall. You may have run into it before, but it's a great show. That is full of sophomoric comedy called the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. I, yes. Who, who put that on? We did about, Oh, probably 10 years ago, but I have three guys who are absolutely perfect for it. And when you get three people who are absolutely perfect for something, you gotta do it. And they wanna do it and they'll be fabulous together. We did it with people you know. We did it with uh, uh, John Burney and uh, Josh Pagundas. Remember those guys? Were they before you? Uh, no, the, the name definitely sound, or the names sound very familiar. Yeah, they were hilarious. But this show is hilarious. And I think we need to start with something that is so outrageously hilarious because of what we're all going through right now. Yes. I feel like I, I feel like I've, uh, cause I, cause that rings such a bell. Like I heard, or I saw that when back in high school, I feel like Ed showed that to me, uh, like a film version of it or, um, someone put it on. Uh, but, uh, I am familiar with it and it's, it's a, 
like you said, it's supposed to kind of skewer, right? Like the, the yeah, works of Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah, they do. They do uh, all 37 plays in less than 90 minutes. Incredible. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a highly, highly uh, uh, recommended uh, piece if anybody can check. Yeah, that they out. do all of Othello as a rap. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is all coming back to me. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, we're almost done. N- number seven. And I, I guess this is part of your favorite word, but what is your favorite curse word? Oh, fuck. Listen here, say this with me. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know if you know, this is one of our favorite tongue twisters. Go ahead. I'm not a pheasant plucker nor a pheasant plucker's son. But I go on plucking pheasants till the pheasant plucking's done. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a pheasant plucker. I'm not a pheasant plucker. Nor a pheasant plucker's son. Nor a pheasant plucker's son. <laughs> but I'll go on plucking pheasants. But I'll go on plucking pheasants. Till the pheasant plucking's done. Till the pleasant fucking... Wow, man, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or, or the follow-up to that, I'm not a mother pheasant plucker. Oh, my gosh. Or a mother pheasant plucker. So. <laughs> But I go on plucking mother pheasants to the mother pheasant pluckings. Done. Say that fast, and you'll be off the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, let's see. Um, because I keep losing track here. Number number eight. What profession other than the one you currently do would you like to attempt? I I I think I would love to have to have been good enough to be a writer, a fiction fiction writer. A fiction writer, like novels? Novels, yeah. Okay. Probably historical fiction. Gotcha, gotcha. So like, uh, okay, like around Shakespeare's time or? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, well, I, I'd, I'd love to be able to write about that. But uh, any any uh, particular era, uh, I just, I, I'm a, a history buff. I love history. Uh, in fact, my my doctorate's theater history, uh, and so I'd love to be able to, to put that into uh, uh, quality form of fiction and recreate eras. There's a lot of good stuff out there. So, anyway, so writer, writer, and then what profession would you not like to attempt? My brother, one of my I five brothers and sisters, uh, the middle brother, uh, was, a funeral director worked in a mortuary and told such stories that I think never, ever want to go near that particular important profession. I don't blame you. I do not blame you. Just when you said that. Yep. A mortician. Yes. Ugh. A mortician. Um, and finally, the most important question, and if I ever come up with my own questions and get rid of the first one through nine, I'm always going to end with this one because I think it's, I love hearing the answers. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, that's easy. You've been a fucking idiot, but come in anyway. I love it. I love it so much. Um, John, um, I don't want to keep you any longer. I just, uh, I, I, I really wanted to, um, get to know you a little better because like I said, I, I, I respect you. I mean, I don't know if I ever said that at the beginning, but I just wanted you to know that I respect you. And, 
and um, what you've accomplished and what you've built and what you continue to put on here. And um, I, 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 I just really appreciate that you put aside some time and, and, and felt like coming on here, even though it's, uh, you know, probably something that you were a little hesitant about if you're, if you're being completely honest, correct? Eddie, being completely honest, I've never listened to or seen a podcast in my life. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's sort of a, uh, I think we have Orson Welles to thank for all this. So, <laughs> well, uh, I don't even know where to go to look for a podcast. I can I can direct you afterwards. <laughs> I, okay, I can definitely good. direct you just so you uh, know where this one will be. Um, but other than that, um, I'll have all the information for everyone to because uh, because you do have a website for the CRT, correct? Yes. Okay. I will have that in the show notes, so it'll be a link people can click and they can go there and they can get information. Um, and you also have social media pages, correct? Yes. Okay. Facebook, sure. Yeah. Gotcha. And all that will be linked down below. So, um, yeah, it's just been a it's, it's just been a real pleasure having you on here. And uh, I hope once this all passes, because we were supposed to do this in person, but um, you know, unfortunately, this whole COVID nineteen thing had to happen. So maybe they'll make a maybe one day they'll make a a really dramatic stage play out of all of this. And maybe one day you'll even come out for a show. I'd love to work with you. Absolutely, John. Alrighty, it's been a pleasure, and uh, have a good night. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye.